Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast, hosted by Shalinda Kirby, a cervical cancer survivor, and Natalie Supes, a Crohn's warrior since 2007. Our goal is to give you proof that it's not only possible to be sick and successful, but it's possible for you. Dream big and tune in. You can also follow us on Instagram at sickandsuccessful underscore. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We have a special guest with us today. Her name is Jessie Ace. She is the founder of the Disabled to Enabled podcast, the Enabled Warriors community. She actually had a past uh, work life in being a fashion designer, which we think is super cool, and went on to create the community and the podcast. And she's a writer for many websites and magazines and illustrator. So just a very broad background. And we're really excited excited to have you on the podcast today, Jesse. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Yes. <laughs> so exciting. We're really excited to get into the speed round too, because this is something we haven't done in a few episodes. Okay, that makes me nervous. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can ask me. <laughs> Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. They're easy questions. Let's just start with where are you from and what do you do? Okay, that one I can answer. So <laughs> I'm from Derbyshire in the UK, which is basically right in the center of the UK. I just love your accent. And I've done a lot. I've spent a lot of time in the UK, but I, I will never get over the accent. Oh, thank you. I have that a lot, actually. So beautiful. <laughs> the weirdest um, thing is when guests ask me to repeat their names over and over again. <laughs> and I keep telling them, I'm going to have to start charging you for this. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and what do you do? So I am a podcast host. I am also a writer and illustrator. That's awesome. And you do that full time? I do. Yes. Cool. That's so cool. And this is kind of a funny question, but it helps our community know kind of what you're struggling with and what you're sick with. So just that, what are you sick with? So I have something called multiple sclerosis, um, which is basically where my brain thinks that the coating around my nerve cells is like a virus and it attacks it, breaks it down, leaving the nerves kind of exposed. So you get like a lot of random symptoms and Weird things happen quite often, to be quite honest. <laughs> but in a nutshell, that's kind of what MS is. Um, just huge pain in the butt. Yeah, it's interesting. We've never had a guest on here with MS. Um, I feel like MS is something, I, personally, I've heard about since I was young because we did a lot of fundraisers, but something that I really don't know anything about. So I'm excited to dive okay. a little bit deeper into that. And last speed round question, it is what's something you do every day that makes you successful? Okay, so this one is super easy because every morning I do something that I like to call my miracle morning. Um, and it's basically where I set aside like an hour every morning and I journal and do affirmations and visualization. And that really helps me to get into the right mindset for the day and enables me to really kind of make the most of every day as well. That's beautiful. I absolutely love that. So let's chat just a little bit more about MS to start with. Um, do you guys do in the UK a lot of MS fundraisers like in schools and stuff like that as well? I'm not so sure as in school. I i don't remember ever seeing anything like that when I was in school. Personally. No, Shalinda, did you have to do that? Yeah, I participated in the MS walk uh, throughout my from kindergarten to grade 12, I think. Cool. Yeah. So what I remember, and like, this is bad, but this is what I remember is that we did an MS fundraiser and the more you fundraise, the more things you got. So that was like what drove me. 
That's a good incentive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we should have probably known what we were doing it for. So at least now we can um, let everyone else know, at least in Canada, what in more detail about MS oh. and spread mm-hmm. some awareness. <laughs> if there's yeah. one thing I have learned from podcasting, it's that the people that I've interviewed that have MS in Canada, their MS society seems to be so much better than ours. I'm going to be yeah. honest. That's interesting. <laughs> in what way? Um, so I was told by um, this this one person that I interviewed that she had the opportunity. She was diagnosed at like 14, 15 years old, which is insane. Like that's much lower than the kind of average, um, if you know what I mean. So she said that she was invited to go to this um, like MS camp type thing yeah. where it was like a camp with other kids that was diagnosed with, with the same thing at the same time, the same kind of age range. And there was like nurses there and things. And it's, it was kind of like an introduction to MS and it really got her used to the injections and, and things like that. So I was so envious when I heard that because <laughs> I was diagnosed at 22 and mm. there was nothing like that. Like I didn't even get told what MS was in the hospital. It was just, wow. it was a case of, yeah, I think the best thing to, for you to do is to go home and Google it and find out for yourself. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, we do have uh, many of those camps. I know we have a Crohn's camp in Canada too, but oh, when I was diagnosed, it was very similar. Um, I guess like in 2007, I was diagnosed. So it was, wow. it was kind of the same, like, go figure it out. Do you want to tell us a bit more about your story? How, what, how it came to you getting diagnosed, how long it took, um, all those details? Yeah, so, so my story is actually a little bit different to what the standard kind of MS story is, because generally with MS and like different kinds of invisible conditions, as you probably know yourself, normally it takes like years and years and years for a diagnosis. Whereas I went from being perfectly healthy um, to disabled in three days. Oh my goodness. Literally three days. So basically I woke up on the last day of university. Um, Like I said, I was 22 at the time and I woke up with like, my left side was just not working at all. It was really, really weird. Um, So it was kind of like really weak and just numb, I guess I could describe it as like, it was just super strange. So I was like tripping over my foot all day, trying to take all my last stuff into uni. We were setting up like a, a gallery exhibition thing. <laughs> um, wow. And yeah, it didn't get any better throughout the day. It just, it's just, yeah, it was really, really weird. So me being me, I thought, well, do you know what? I'm just kind of exhausted. It's probably just that. And I've probably just trapped a nerve or something. And it will be fine. It will just come back when it's ready, you know? Yeah. As a university student, you're pushing with everything else. So you kind of ignore your body. Exactly. And at 22, you think you're invincible. Absolutely. So, (laughs) you know, like, oh, nothing will be wrong. It'll be fine. So, um, yeah. And um, I've been pushing myself super, super hard because in my second year, I decided to actually set up a business as an illustrator as well so that I could have a job that to go into when I left my third year that was kind of my plan so by the end of the third year I'd built up so many connections and things I had like a contract ready to go for a children's book that I was asked to illustrate I had an agent that wanted to represent me in trade shows around the world and things in stores up and down the country like it was really about to take off and then that last day I woke up and I couldn't feel my hand and like the, my oh left my side and it just wasn't working and I was like, oh my gosh, what the heck is this all about? This is insane. Um, so like I said, I waited a week, <laughs> me being me, to go and see a doctor about it. 
And she basically misdiagnosed me with a something called a hemiplegic migraine, which is an area of localized weakness in the body that will kind of be there for a few weeks and then it'll come back again. So she diagnosed me with that, sent me home. And it was about an hour later, <laughs> I got back to my flat. I was thinking about what to have for dinner because food is always on my mind. <laughs> and, um, she rang me back and she was like, yeah, um, kind of just been speaking to my colleague. And I think I should have sent you to A&E just to be sure it wasn't a stroke. And I was like, oh my God, are you being serious? Like, I'm 22 years old. How could I have had a stroke? Like, I know I've been working that hard, but I didn't know I was working that hard. That's insane. So she was like, okay, just, I'm writing you a letter. Come and pick it up. Go and take it to A&E. And then they can kind of sort you out, basically. And and just for our listeners, A&E in the States means the hospital, correct? The ER. Yes. The ER. Yeah. I always forget that. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> oh, no, everybody's like, what's an A&E? Like, oh, it's okay. Plans for accident and emergency. So, um, yeah, the same as the ER, basically. So I had to go over there, um, which was always a delight. And by the time I got there, it was like 6, 7 p.m. So because they were so busy, as ER, ER normally is, um, they admitted me onto a stroke ward, basically surrounded by all these like ladies that were like uh. 70, 80 years old. <laughs> Most of them had dementia or Alzheimer's or something. And they were all kind of shouting and and getting out of their beds and oh my god it was it was total chaos that must have been so scary it was scary really scary because I've never actually been in hospital yeah (laughs) it sounds really funny to say now but I've never actually been to hospital other than to visit someone and I feel like that happens a lot right when I got diagnosed that was kind of my first time ever in the hospital too and little do we know that's the beginning of a a journey but yeah (laughs) yeah you seem to get really used to being in hospital don't you yeah yeah (laughs) unfortunately good times (laughs) so yeah so I was on this this ward um and I was literally in there for three days and having test after test after test now I was a huge fan of like Grey's Anatomy and um (laughs) general hospital dramas like I absolutely love hospital dramas I don't know why but I do (laughs) and yeah so I'd only ever seen all these tests on on there so I had this kind of like weird um Oh yeah, I saw that character had an MRI too. Yeah, and it turned out really badly for them. Kind of oh, moment. No. And <laughs> as you can imagine, like obviously it's not the best situation. Um, so yeah, but it was fine. And the MRI machine was actually in the car park, which I thought was quite funny. So yeah, after that, and after that on that third day, the the neurologist that I'd seen the day before came back in. Um, and he came back in just as I was eating some apple pie and custard. Now, if you've never had apple pie and custard, seriously, you need to go and try it. I'm not quite sure what that is. I've heard it's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. You know what pastry is, right? Yeah. You know what apples are? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> basically the same thing. And then custard is like warm ice cream, basically, but a bit thicker. Oh. So yeah. like pudding? Yeah, yeah. It's so okay. good. It's like an English staple, to be honest. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I was eating this and um, I looked across the room at him and he was talking to a nurse and I saw him mouth to the nurse. Um, I'll go over when she's finished. So I was like, oh, my God, like the fear just washed right over me. I thought this is insane. What is he going to tell me? Because I had no idea at this point about anything. You know, I was thinking like, oh, my God, it must be serious because I've been here for three days. They keep wanting to do tests on me. Oh, my God, I'm going to die. Kind of of overdramatic 22 year old thinking as you do. Um, 
so eventually he came over because obviously I couldn't eat anymore so I kind of pushed it away he came over and sat on the end of my bed he kind of pulled all the um the curtain around and stuff and he looked at me straight in the face and he was like look um Jesse I'm really sorry to, to have to tell you this and we want to do one more test to just confirm it but what we think it is is something called multiple sclerosis and I was like okay um what's that exactly <laughs> and that's when he said you know the best thing for you to do is to to go home and google it oh find out for gosh. yourself um you know you'll you'll go and see like a, an ms nurse or a neurologist in about six months time um and they can answer any questions that you have i was like oh okay fine um and at this point i was like trying to fight back tears as, as much as i could because mm-hmm. when someone tells you that you've suddenly been diagnosed with this crazy thing that you don't actually know what it is you don't know what this means for you the first thing I thought of was wheelchairs and I was like oh my god I'm gonna be in a wheelchair mm. oh my god this is gonna get worse this is insane what <laughs> yeah. and it was crazy it was a crazy day um and then after that like because I'd had no information anything that I found about MS online was really really scary because you know I didn't know that it was different for everybody I thought MS was MS and everybody got the same symptoms Mm. no (laughs) so when I was reading online that you know people were in Facebook groups like um saying oh oh, I woke up um and I was blind this morning like what does this mean Um, and that sort of thing or like people were talking about treatments and um talking about injections and talking about like crazy chemotherapy treatments and I was like oh my god what what is this? I'm really stressed out now, really panicked. And I, oh God, I must've spent like four years. I think the first four years, just, just stressing out completely, not really knowing what the future would hold and just going into such a dark place, such a dark kind of depression. It was just horrible. It was absolutely, absolutely horrible. It really was. I want to touch on that for a bit because I too dealt with a lot of depression after I found out that I had cancer and yeah. um, I think I think that it had a lot to do with the fact that we have this wonderful resource of the Internet. And, mm. you know, it's, it's a place where we're learning, especially with what's happening in the world right now. It's a place for us all to connect and get information readily and all that kind of stuff. It's great. But when yeah. you're diagnosed with something like MS, like Crohn's, like cancer, it isn't just one specific you know, one shoe fits all kind of scenario when you get that diagnosis. And so you do go seeking um, information and resources and uh, validation on the internet, which can almost make things worse, I feel like. Oh, a million percent. Yeah, 100%. And especially when if you are newly diagnosed and you're commenting in groups and things, people don't always have the, let's say, tactfulness in their approach to how they kind of approach your question. So, you know, you could put a, a question in there that's like, oh, my God, I've got this tingling in my arm or, or whatever. Um, what is it? And then someone might comment and just be like, yeah, I had that. Then I had to have it amputated. Mm. And then they just leave it like that. And you're like, whoa, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, let's go into that a bit more. <laughs> and, and the problem, I guess, problem with um, a lot of the support groups on Facebook and different places is, it is a place to come and ask those questions, but it can turn into a place that's very negative exactly. that I found. Did you find the same thing? Oh, yeah. God, yeah. yeah. I yeah. couldn't find a positive Facebook group, if I'm honest. Right. That's actually why I started um, my Facebook group for women with Crohn's disease, because I couldn't find any place where things were positive and it wasn't just 
like I can't deal with my life, you know, and, and we all need a place to feel safe and talk about that stuff. But mm-hmm. when you're newly diagnosed or even when you're just struggling, it, it, it can make things a lot worse. Oh, it can. Definitely. So with depression, Jesse, um, <clears throat> you, you mentioned that that kind of set in immediately after your diagnosis and, and continued on for a couple of years during that time, how would you describe what what your experience with depression was like? Because it's different for everyone. Yeah, completely. Um, it got to a point where, uh, and I, I felt too scared to go outside. It was it was kind of it wasn't really being scared. I suppose it was it was more like I didn't want to be around people. I couldn't be around people. I couldn't be in the open air like. I can't really explain it. It was, it was the weirdest feeling. I've, I've never felt anything like that before. I just mm-hmm. felt like I could not leave my flat at all because that was where I deemed my safe place, I guess. Um, yeah, it was it was incredibly scary at that point, to be honest. And especially because I'd learned that I wasn't actually in control of my body, <laughs> which I thought mm-hmm. that I was. Um, so... You know, like I had all these things ready to go on my last day of university. Going back to that for a second. And, um, you know, I now couldn't feel my hand. A few weeks after getting out of hospital, I actually lost the use of my right hand as well. Um, So it was like I'd had this career set up and all of a sudden it was just taken away overnight. So I was really struggling with who I was as a person and what my purpose was in life and you know, like I thought if I can't draw, what, what, what the heck am I doing here? You know? Yeah. It's, it was awful. And so did you ever get the use of your hands back and and be able to do that? Or how did that play out? Yeah. So my right hand came back after it it, it had a really weird moment where it was just like, it was like, it was there for an hour and then it disappeared for an hour and then it came back for an hour and it did that for about a few weeks. Wow. (laughs) Super annoying. Um, And my left side came back after about six months. So both of them are back now. Um, but during those kind of those those years afterwards, I was super hesitant to even do any sort of illustration or any sort of, you know, any kind of tactful thing with, with my hands because I thought, well, they could go again at any point now. And I didn't realize that before. Mm. So, yeah. So when I went, I found a job somehow in fashion design um started to design all the graphics and things that you see on t-shirts and like the the patterns and the prints that you see on clothing that's so cool yeah that is and I didn't actually tell anybody that I had MS (laughs) and I also didn't tell anybody that I couldn't actually feel my hand so basically how that's different to illustration is that with fashion design you you basically have a something called a graphics tablet with a, a a pen like a stylus pen so as long as you can kind of hold that in some sort of way and move it across the tablet, that's all you really need to do and just kind of tap. So I could go away with that. That's fine. That's so cool. Good How for you. How is it, though, going about your work, not acknowledging the fact that you're dealing with MS? Mm. How long did you do that for? Um, that probably happened for like the whole four years that I was wow. really depressed for. Yeah. Like I couldn't really speak about it because every time I spoke about it, I just burst into tears. Yeah, I, I literally just, I didn't feel like I could accept it at all. Um, it's like something just, I was perfectly healthy, like I said, and 
for those four years, I just spent it almost grieving for the person that I used to be. And I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that because mm-hmm. I know I felt that. Um, and for me, I don't really know how I got out of that. Is it something mm-hmm. that you can remember the time where, you know, that started changing for you and you were starting to come out of it or, or is it kind of, was it a long process? How did that look for you? I think there wasn't really one thing that kind of snapped my brain and kind of went, right, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to do this instead. I think it was, it was a really long process and it was a process where I started to get involved with personal development. Mm. So I found people like Tony Robbins and I found this book called The Miracle Morning, um, which one my Miracle Morning is based on um, by Hal Elrod. And his story is absolutely incredible. Um, And I think absorbing myself in that kind of content was the biggest thing that I could have done at that time. And I also think changing the circle around me, the people around me was also one of the bad decisions that I made. So removing kind of negative people, removing the people that kind of always said, oh, you can't do that. You're disabled or you can't do this. Um, if you know what I mean, I don't know if you guys had that. Did you guys have that? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 I was yeah, going to ask I love you what that. your support system was like during that time, because I think that <laughs> we, we, we always learn with a chronic illness or a diagnosis who are really core supporters are, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. And I was so, um, grateful to my boyfriend that I had at the time as well who is now my husband (laughs) we didn't we didn't split up it's fine um so basically we'd been together about six years up until that point of my diagnosis um yeah so we, we got together really young and he was just there the whole time you know and I remember sitting on the hospital bed when he was there just had my diagnosis and I remember very very clearly sitting there and I, I was just like you know you, you, you don't have to be do this you, you don't have to go you know go and find someone better you know go and find someone healthy that you're not gonna have to look after you don't have to watch out for all the time um and, and all of that sort of stuff and he literally turned around to me and was like okay stop being so stupid get in the car we're gonna go and sort this out <laughs> in this together I love so nice. yeah without that I just would have fell to pieces oh you're gonna make sure. me cry that's so sweet <laughs> That's so sweet. And so, okay, you went through all of these really dark times and thankfully you had some amazing support. But when did it come around that you created the Disabled to Enabled podcast and the Enabled Warriors community? And how did that kind of start? Yeah, so it was around a year ago now. It's literally only been going a year. Yeah. Um, and that's when I really first to started to create the group. Um, because just before that, we actually ran a wedding business. Me and my partner used to run a wedding business. Um, and basically, we were giving advice to brides. Now, we set ourselves this ridiculous challenge to do a Facebook Live every single day for the whole year. <laughs> wow. <laughs> horrendous. Um, but that got me used to being on camera, being used to like talking about things. And that was really the first time that I'd started to even um, like start discussing MS and things like that. And it was the response that I got from those videos absolutely astounded me because I got messages from brides saying, Oh my God, I'm so glad that you were discussing that I'm disabled or I've been diagnosed with this or, you know, like how, cause I used to do tutorial Tuesdays as well, like showing like a different way to create a craft thing for your wedding. Oh, that sounds fun. And so I got people asking, 
you know, how do I disguise my wheelchair? How do how do I make it look pretty for the wedding? How can I um, mm. how can I blend in my oxygen tank to my dress and and that sort of thing? And I was like, oh my god, this this could actually help people. Like, what am I doing? This this is insane. And it, it kind of it switched on this huge light bulb in my head. Um, I just thought, oh my gosh, I could I could really make an impact on people's lives here. This is amazing. So I started to reach out to charities and I started to say you know, look, I've noticed that you maybe don't really have a young voice right now. Um, like the things that are being discussed on your website aren't really appealing to me as a young person. So I'm, I'm imagining that, you know, other young people are going to be feeling the same. Mm. Um, so <laughs> this literally took, so I decided to reach out to the biggest one that I could find, which was the National Multiple Sclerosis Society in America. And it literally took three months to even get them to contemplate letting me write a blog for them. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and especially to have a younger representation because I think most people, you know, forget that something like MS isn't discriminatory towards age, you know? Yeah, exactly. So you started writing the blog for them. Is that where it, it kind of all spiraled from there? Yes. So it all kind of started from there, really. Um, so after that, those three months... Of, of constant emailing like I literally emailed every day it was ridiculous um eventually she just said right okay here's the email address like just just go and bother her rather than me <laughs> um so that was really good and I wrote a blog on on um I think it was how I lost friendships during my diagnosis and as soon as that went live the amount of comments and things from people saying I'm so glad this has been spoken about because there was nothing like this online before it was just incredible. And um, so I spent like a year writing for them um, whilst running the wedding business. And then around January, no, what we in now, March. In around March last year was when I decided to set up my own community of the Enabled Warriors on Facebook, which was designed for all, um, all chronic illnesses rather than just MS. It's just for everybody. And then from there, I mean, I set up my podcast in May last year. So we're coming up to our first first year anniversary. Oh, Ooh, congratulations. So exciting. Thank you. And then it, it's kind of all snowboard from there, you know. So with podcasting, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. That's how we, we came to get to know you, Jesse, is because you reached out to us on collaborating between the two podcasts since we both touch on on illnesses and being diagnosed and being successful and all that kind of stuff. What what inspired you? I guess, you know, obviously with your experience, but what inspired you to add the podcast aspect of what you were already creating? Yeah, well, I think um, so I started to listen to a lot more podcasts when my husband, my husband was basically a wedding singer at the time as when we were doing the wedding business. It's all very confusing and it all kind of compiled into one. <laughs> But when he had gigs in like Scotland or, or wherever, we, we had these super long drives. So we started listening to podcasts and we listened to a lot of business podcasts. And I was I remember listening to these and thinking like, this is really good. Like, why, why can't there be something like this for chronic illness? This is really cool. So um, after searching for some, <laughs> I found that the ones that were currently out there were kind of like really good, um, but kind of focused on quite a lot of the negatives and I kind of thought I'm, I'm such a positive person that I wanted to make that change you know so yeah so I wanted to create like uh, a super upbeat positive 
um, podcast that really focused on what was possible after diagnosis. <clears throat> you know, like the cool people, the cool things that people had done since the diagnosis. And I also wanted to share other people's stories as well and give them a platform um, to be able to, you know, get their experiences out to the world so that, you know, people listening can uh, relate to that in, in some sort of way. And how great is that? I mean, that's that's such a great uh, example of why I think both of us can agree, Natalie and I, and, and also Jesse, on allowing people to hear other people's stories because ultimately when you're dealing with chronic illness, we're all in this together and it is very different for every single person, but we can all draw parallels into the experiences that we've had uh, with getting diagnosed, with dealing with uh, chronic illness. Like you mentioned, losing friends, the support systems that you have in the process mm-hmm. and um, all the challenges and all the triumphs that come with you know fighting something like you know ms and 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 dealing with that so yeah yeah definitely definitely because there's a lot of things like symptoms and things that quite a lot of them overlap as well so it's good to get different people's advice of how they kind of deal with that and move forward and on that uh jesse i think something that our podcasts do really well at is helping people who are maybe first diagnosed or um, just really struggling through a tough time in their diagnosis or in their chronic illness. And they might feel like they can't be successful or where they can't be enabled. And so I would love to hear from you what you would like to say to someone like that, who's kind of just listening to this podcast saying like, I relate with everything you guys said about how hard it is, but I don't feel like I can get out of it and, and create my own dream yeah totally and firstly what I'd say is that anything is possible and I think if you put your hand on your heart right now if you can feel your heart beating then any dream is possible Mm, I love that so good (laughs) so good what an awesome way to kind of wind down our our, the podcast so cool (laughs) thank you And so last but not least, our question we ask all of our guests is, what does success mean to you? Success to me, I don't think is uh, things like earning a stupid amount of money or owning like ridiculous amount of houses or a ridiculous amount of cars. Success to me is, I think, all the messages that I get of people saying, wow, like I've listened to really relate by this, 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 and this is going to really help me moving forward. What do people normally say to these questions? No, no, that was perfect. That's so good. <laughs> I, I relate to that so much because when I get a message, a DM, a podcast review, anything, it's, it's unlike anything else. It's unlike anything I've ever felt in a corporate position. You know, a boss can tell me on a review that I've done great, but when I get a DM from someone who says, I have been feeling like I've been dying and I look forward to your posts every day, like nothing else feels like success other than that. Yeah. It just means everything. It really does. does. Mm -hmm. And the validation for being vulnerable, right? Yeah. Cause it's not easy. Yeah, exactly. So Jesse, the the floor is yours. What would you like to tell our listeners about um, your communities, your podcasts? Their their ears are yours. <laughs> so you can go and connect with me on um, Facebook. So you can go find the Enabled Warriors, which is open for anybody with a chronic illness, not just MS, but like 
all forms of chronic illness and we aim to be a really positive uplifting kind of group um, and we also do things like weekly and monthly competitions we do like fun and games type things so the enabled leaders team as i like to call them um the admins <laughs> have been doing things like piano tutorials um playing games and and things like that and just really kind of trying to keep everybody uplifted during this whole like coronavirus challenging unique time that we're in right now so that's really awesome and you can also go and find some inspiration on our disabled to enabled website as well with um blogs and articles that i've been writing for different websites and different magazines and things they are all on there um, we're also launching a planner very very soon so what this means is that you'll be able to kind of track your progress every day um, keep your mind in the right place and then you'll be able to also track your symptoms track your medication track your hydration <laughs> track your food intake um, so basically loads of different things that you can you can track and keep control of and then that'll enable you to find patterns between that and your symptoms so basically you can plan it all on a chart in the book and then take it to your doctor and then in theory you'll feel more empowered and you'll get better care from your doctor because they'll have more information so that's really cool. And then finally, you can go and listen to the Disabled to Enabled podcast. Um, make sure to subscribe when you go on there. So you always have inspirational stories in your pocket. And then basically, there are so many different types of guests on there, all manner of different illnesses. Um, and then what we kind of split it into three episodes. So you have an episode that explains about their diagnosis and what they went through. Um, and then we have the story of what they did afterwards, which is really awesome. Um, and then, you know, people on there have been like made companies, they've run marathons, they've, they've done all these crazy, amazing things that I never even thought possible. So yeah, you can just go to disabledtoenabled.com. And if you have anything that you want to discuss with me personally, then you can drop me an email as well, which you can find on the contact page on disabledtoenabled. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jesse. Honestly, hearing your story was so heartwarming and I can't wait to check out your podcast and hear more. We're going to link everything in the show notes. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today. And make sure you guys tune in to the Disabled to Enabled podcast because we will be doing an interview on there with Jesse as well. So can't wait to do that with you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like our show and want to know more, follow us on Instagram at sickandsuccessful underscore. Join us next week for an all new episode.